and welcome to the latest in our Is Anyone Listening podcast series, where we hear directly from people on low incomes about the issues that affect them. I'm Jackie Eden-Brow and I'm an exec producer in documentaries at The Guardian. In this episode, we will be discussing a new documentary from Guardian Documentaries called Fighting Shame, which brings together the stories and experiences of a group of women from the Leeds Poverty Truth Commission. The Leeds Poverty Truth Commission, which was launched in 2014, brings together people living in poverty with civic and business leaders to make sure their first-hand experiences are at the heart of how the city thinks and acts in tackling poverty and inequality. Today we're joined by the film's producer and director Sally Ogden from True Vision Yorkshire, based in Leeds. Hi Jackie. We're also pleased to welcome three of the women who feature in the film, Amina Senior, Mary and Amina Junior. Thanks to all for joining us. Good afternoon, everybody. Hi. Hi. So for our listeners who haven't had a chance to see the film yet, can you explain what it's about? It's about looking at the different aspects of uh, poverty, what you call hidden poverty. So maybe like when your washing machine breaks down, you know, you just can't materialise the money to go buy a new washing machine. Or maybe this had event of a funeral. There's people now that um, aren't being buried because people can't afford to bury people no more. So... These are what we was looking at within the film, you know, the price of putting a kettle on and putting the washing machine on, all these things, school uniforms and what this entails for people. So you you decided to tell your story through everyday objects. People that maybe haven't lived through poverty wouldn't necessarily think would be a problem to be able to afford. Well, yes, yeah, it is. So, yeah, so a lot of people don't realise that uh, there's uh, a lot of people that have to make that choice every day, whether they have a hot drink or put on the washer, or even the fire sometimes. It's, it's not even down to a washer. It's, in winter, it's about warmth as well. You know, so people are going without um, eating um, in this this kind of weather, in the cold weather, so, yeah. And Sally, can you tell us a bit about the inspiration behind the film, and can you tell us how the project got started? Um, yeah, so as um, a company, we wanted to make a film, actually, with the Poverty Truth Commission in Leeds for quite some time. Um, We'd been really inspired um, by following their work and we'd um, met um, some of the people that they were working with already. So um, we kind of approached them and just said, have you got anyone that might be interested in in talking to us and working with us? And at that point, we set up some production meetings and and that's actually when we met Mary and Amina, Amina and Christine, Sarah, and there was a few other people at at that point. So as we started to talk about... um, stories that they might like to tell and there was a massive theme of shame that just started to come out of that and embarrassment that we we kind of picked up on as, as a group and I picked up on as a director and um, mm. we, as we started to explore that we were just really interested in how to structure that and and everyone being able to to tell their own individual stories or stories of their community um, and so that's really where the inspiration came from um, and we go to Sheffield Documentary Festival every year as a company, so we we know that, you know, there, there's always you know films to be made, and and we know that JRF are really interested in telling um, different kinds of stories about poverty, and and um, so that just seemed to fit really, and we re- we just really felt that this is a subject that um, the media often shy away from. And so we, we felt that actually shame and embarrassment is something that we could tackle as, as a company and, and as a group, actually. And we didn't want to shy away from it. And even though it feels uncomfortable and difficult to talk about, we felt it was very important to do that. And the difficulty of, of talking about it, having you know spent 
probably most of your lives trying to hide it. I think that's that's probably an experience that you've all had, where you know you, you grow up and you and you try and hide the shame that you the, the circumstances of, of living in poverty and the shame around it. What what made you want to share your stories when, in this film and this project? Uh, what made me want to share in this film and in this project on a whole, being involved with the Leeds Poverty Truth Commission, was the fact that most people, it is a thing that happens very quickly in their lives. It spirals out of control so easily that it just, it's not always the fact that the poverty of the money it's the fact of the poverty of the change of life and the isolation and the fear of having to say some to someone that they can't actually take care of themselves that they feel so guilty that they've got themselves into this mess and really actually it they haven't got into to the mess themselves they're doing the best with what they've got but it simply just isn't enough to get them through day to day week to week month to month and it is it causes severe anxiety in people and i think what we wanted to show was that it's the stigma attached to it already from quite a number of different things in the media that have made it harder for people to unburden to someone what you know the life is actually like and how much in poverty they are whether it's poverty of money isolation illness bereavement you know there's so many different ways that we've found that some people may have the money but the lives changed and they in poverty of social poverty of having no one around them because the family structures changed they've moved house or you know there's so many different ways out there that does affect people and they simply don't have enough money but by what they're receiving in benefits for the essential things in life they don't have enough for the heating the food the bills so something has to give and in one way or another it's a very big part of the big step and a big dilemma for them the thing that does have to give because you're denied something you know that that we take for granted in life that other people can't have. Just to pick up on that, Mary, there's a, a story in the film from Sarah who um, had cancer and lost her job. You know, she'd been used to being able to go out, be social, have a coffee and not mm. have to make this decision between the cost of a bus ticket or buying a coffee. And so she felt the shame of not being able to tell people about that. And I know that your initiative, your lunch club initiative, actually allowed her to be, gave her the opportunity to go out and meet people and be able to share those stories and feel less isolated. Can you tell us a little bit more about those community initiatives that you've, that you've started? 
I feel with the community initiatives that as a community doing things for ourselves, it's become more sustainable because when you're doing it for yourselves and as a community, other people around take notice. And even though they haven't got that much themselves, they will always try and help and give. And we find it brings people together more and they can be more honest and open and build that trust that obviously before hasn't been there. There's so much mistrust. Mm. But with the same people doing it all the time, none, everybody knows that it's just all voluntary work, that they know we're just there for them and not just to get a wage or have his own agenda. We're just there for them and just to have a good, a nice meal, a good day and a bit of fun. Bit of a laugh. Yeah, bit of fun. <laughs> fun always comes into everything. Um, and we've quite a good group of people that have a great sense of humour and I look at them and think, if I were in your position, I don't know if I could laugh about it. But we are, you know, don't get me wrong, we might cry at first, but afterwards we really laugh. And Amina's senior and Amina junior, I know you've started a community initiative as well. Can you tell us a bit about that? Um, yeah, we started a project called um, Education 8, which is um, to recycle school uniforms. So we'll get old donations and we'll renew them and give them to people who are in need of a uniform for free as a gift to try to take away the stigma of second-hand clothes and also to make children feel like they are worthy of something. It might just be a uniform but you do get children in school that don't have the newest Air Max and sometimes they do get bullied for things like that and it's not fair that a child has to go through that in school, so to be able to have the same opportunities and the equal... To have that feeling that they're on the same footing as every other child in the school, with the same uniform, instead of short trousers. You know, children grow, so the trousers might be short, or the skirt might be short, and that makes them feel away. So we're just trying to make all children the same, make them feel the same, give them the same opportunities, which I think every child deserves. That's yeah. yeah, there is that pressure, isn't there, yeah. to be have something new every every term, like a new bag, new shoes, and if you haven't got it, then you you know there is judgment yeah. around it. It is. It's very expensive, and even for um, working class families, you get the low working class families. It's even difficult for for them as well. You know, you're just having to juggle the money all the time you know shall I get shoes shall I get the coat shall I buy the food shall I pay the bills you know but you know when it comes down to your child at some point you know you you have you have to get but you know it's this the shoes that um and the coats that cost so so much you know especially like in winter now summer is different but in winter a child needs a proper pair of shoes and if you look at the children these days, they're wearing the cheap shoes that let the cold through. That's causing illnesses later on in life. So realistically, you know, if a parent doesn't have to pay for a school uniform, hopefully that money will go on the shoes and a coat, which is better for the health. Amina Junior, you share your experiences in the film of homelessness, of being evicted and 
and now you're struggling to find permanent housing. Can you tell us a bit about what that experience has been like? Yeah, um, with my experience, um, when I, whilst I was student at university, I was uh, illegally evicted from a property and I was made homeless. I had to sleep on my mum's floor and it was the most horrible experience of my life, really. And it took me three years bidding on the council um, system to be able to find a property and I only managed to get one so quickly as they say because I was on band A due to being homeless and in a dispersed hostel but you get people that are still on the list five six seven years down the line having nowhere to go and their houses aren't suitable for them they're overcrowded there's black mould in the house and infestations and all sorts and it's quite sad that people are living in these conditions and there's nowhere for them to go there's nothing that they can do about it and the idea of being able to get a private house is is hard because a lot of landlords don't take DSS that it's not welcome the rent is too high you have to have a bond you have to pay the first month rent up front and it's it's not really doable for a lot of people so it's really easy to slip into a cycle of debt then as mm. well. Yeah. And what? And you were studying at the time when you, when you were made homeless. Yeah, I was. So how did that impact on your studies? Um, I had to give it up. And you've have you been able to return? No, not yet. Hopefully in the future. Mary, in the film, uh, we meet Alicia, a woman who attends your lunch club, not being able to feed her family over the summer holidays um, because her local authority is transitioning to universal credit. Can you tell us um, about some of the effects the change in the system is having on the community, actually um, for all of you? Uh, the change in the system for the community was quite a shock because between payments, so it was between six and eight weeks. So you're only allowed three food bank vouchers in a year. I think the food that they give you if you're a family, would last you three or four days or a single person. But for six, so if you're allowed three, that takes you up to like not even three, three weeks. It takes you that two weeks, you get some food, but not a wholesome meal, obviously, because it's all dried and processed food. So that so what would you do then for the other four or six weeks that you're without food where do you go then how do you feed yourself how do you feed your family and this is the situation that happened and a benefit it was six weeks so through the six weeks holidays and you're six weeks without money that means you don't even have the bus fare to take your children for a day out you can't buy an ice cream and that is really soul destroying um, because of the guilt it puts on the parents and there's other incidences as well there's the one of sanctions people were getting sanctions for not attending appointments but the letter didn't come till after the appointment was due but they were still sanctioned there's people that aren't able to use a computer that are getting sanctioned for not doing the job search. They don't own a computer. They go to the job centres to use a computer 
but there's no one available to help them to use it. But they're, they're still penalised for that. A lot of these people have learning difficulties that's never been addressed or they've never been assessed for. They've just gone through life muddling through and now it's really hit them because they realise there must be something, they're realising the self there must be something wrong but no one else has taken that into consideration and they're struggling to meet the criteria of even looking for the job so they are getting sanctioned. And how are the um how are the rise in the cost of transport impacting on that? Uh, the rise in the cost of transport is terrible because if it's too far to walk, you can't do it. If you've got a family member that lives too far to walk to, you can't get to them. Um, job interviews, you can't afford to go to them. Hospital appointments, and I think that's really a big one, the hospital appointments that people's health suffering just because they haven't the money to get there. Dental appointments, if you if it's not in walking distance and you can't get there, you're struck off, you're without a dentist. So it impacts on every part of everyone's life, the health, the mental health, the physical health, everything. Sense of isolation. The sense of isolation, which is really really difficult for some people the sense of not being able to change from winter clothes to summer clothes because you've no money to do it so you don't feel like you can go out amongst amongst other people because you can't dress appropriately when the benefit system is implemented properly what are the positive impacts that you've seen if any i think when the um systems when the when it has been implemented properly i think that means a, a family can um it can actually live a reasonable life. It may not have enough to live on, but it manages in um, a very well way because you can still manage to go buy your shopping. You can manage to pay your bills. You might be be able to save a couple of pounds each week towards children's shoes and clothes. So um, when it is up and running, go yeah, it can work out it can work out good but I do find a lot of time it's the price cost as well benefits will stay the same and the cost of living go, goes up I mean winter came mm-hmm. they put up the, the utility bills so everyone's got more to pay out on them there's people with their pay meters who have had no eating this winter because they can't afford to, to pay you, you put I have a friend who puts a £5 in a day and that's just the least day in winter and that might not on a cold day on a very cold day that's not going to last so when you're running a, a large house with a family and you need to eat because you've got babies you know you're you know the money the amount of money that you're going to put in, in that meter is it's horrendous it's horrendous what you're going to put in one week so on the money that you're getting from the doll you haven't got enough money to go in your meter and they're running the meters at high cost. Mm. So you, you, it's like you're penalised. You're penalised for being poor. Yeah. They put you on a meter because you can't pay your bill. So you've got your old bill, so you, the, you're taking money out for that. You, they're charging you for the meter. You're just getting charged for for everything. I think the system that's going on is is unfair. 
and I think the penalisations that are put on the poor need to be re-looked at and taken off. Even like the price of bus fares, £4.50 for a day rider. You know, when you look at the amount of money that people get, they can't afford a bus, they can't afford afford that. I think a weekly ride is that fifteen, twenty pounds. It's gone up, it's got twenty pounds last month. Yeah. Twenty pounds. So even if you get a weekly one, you know, twenty pounds out of your money and that's just for one person. What if you've got a household of children that need to go to school, there's a eight pounds summer a week. Yeah. So if you've got three children, that's nearly thirty pounds out of your money straight away. That's not including food, bills or anything else. So we live in a very unfair system which I think needs re-looking at over again and just sorting out a little bit there and giving something back or, you know, to help, to help out. And to what, to what extent do you think um, payday loans are filling that gap? Payday loans, they may be filling the gap, but that's short term because the people that have taken the payday loans don't realise the consequences of them that by the time they've taken their money back out of them the next time the payment goes in that you haven't got enough money for food, heating or any of the basic things that you need. Mary, what are some of the consequences that you've seen of that? Some of the stories you've heard in your club? From the payday loan is that they've got, they haven't got enough to feed themselves. When the payday loans have taken their money out that is it. They may have 30, 40, they may have twenty pound a week to last them, and that's for food, heating, all the essentials. Yeah, it's never going to be. It's never. And then they're in that eternal. They're on that wheel, that eternal wheel that they're never going to be able to get off. So. When you're getting by on a low income, what's the hardest thing to deal with? Um, what worries you most? What causes the most stress? I'd say that when getting by on a low income, you have to deal with a lot of things. You have to prioritise certain things before you can spend anything on anything else at all, really. You have to make sure your bills are paid. You've got to make sure your rent's paid. You've got to make sure you've got food. And then what happens when you've got no money left? And that's what worries me. Like, I've got a young child. I've spent all my money on all my household things. What happens if there's an accident? I can't afford to take her to the hospital. I can't afford to get to the doctors. I can't afford to go buy her medicine because with universal credits, a lot of people are being told that they have to pay for their prescriptions now and it is making people a lot worse off. And it's it's really worrying. It, it is really scary, really, because how many people are going to be sat at home with broken bones because they can't afford to get anywhere. I suppose for me, besides all the, the, the bills and the food, I think main, one of the main things for me is the children, or the child, because they're not getting what everybody else is getting. So you might be making it as comfortable as possible at home, but because your child hasn't got the best of everything because you can't afford the best of everything, and they're having to make do, what is their life actually being like? Are they getting picked on? Are they, their work is suffering because they don't have the latest tab or computers, what the other children have, they have come from a, a good background, so their work's suffering. So straight away, their um, their future is, is, is getting 
it's getting mm. blockers put on it straight away because they're not in the same category because parents can't afford the same as what everybody else can and that and you see that in the mark so for me it's the effects it is actually the effect on the on the children you know we seem to forget about this while we're, we're paying bills and trying to put food in our mouths these are the children and do you think that's the impact on their education um, and the quality of their education. Yeah, it's on their education, their lifestyle. Mm. You know, um, if you have a child good at sport, if you don't have the money, you can't get that child into sport. So it's wasted. Mm. It's wasted and there's no other outlet for, for that for that child. You know, you can't take it. You can't take that child. Anyway, if a child's good at football, you know, you... you no matter what level you come to, at some point you have to put your hand in your pocket to pay. Someone from a low background is never going to be able to do that. So that's straight away you've got, you, you know, half your good English football players are stuck, at, you know, on the local field playing instead of on that big so it's pitch. It's about that equality of opportunity, yeah. not yeah. having, being able to nurture that potential that you can see yeah. in, the, in the kids. Mary. And I think, I think in poverty as well, there's so much hidden potential that never comes out because they never get the yeah. chance. And I agree with Amina. It's sad for the young ones because they have so much potential in them. And I think they feel it in this day and age from an early age. And I think it holds them back in so many ways. Without that stability and security and without, yes. you know, they start to worry about mm -hmm. their parents not yeah. being able to yeah. find the money for, to, to yeah. eat and, they've, and the guilt of having a meal when they see their parents not eating, eating. those the, things. Yeah. They don't want to tell impact. you when the, when the clothes are getting ripped or when they need new mm. shoes because they know you haven't got the money to go get them. So a lot of um, children now are suffering in silence. Yeah. You know, and when, you know, when the parent finds out they've got no soles on the shoes, why can you, you know, well, why didn't you tell me? Well, I know you've got no money to go buy yeah. them. So even if you, you, you're told, you told, bo you both know then. You're both stuck in that situation. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of responsibility. It is, for young, on young minds. Yeah. It's a lot to carry. So the film's finished and it's released for people to watch. Um, what are your hopes for it? And what do you want viewers to take away from it, Sally? I think for us, we, you know, the take home message is just about how there's strength in sharing stories mm -hmm. and strength in actually owning your story and um, for these guys, you know, just doing it for themselves. There's real pride in that and, um, and there's real pride in being able to talk about really difficult things. They've been so brave, all of them, in sharing the personal stories and the stories of their community and standing for other people and so for us it's just getting that message across and I think um, you know it's not all doom and gloom at all it's very positive there's really positive messages um, that actually um, standing together makes all the difference and and also um, just in terms of decision makers that call to decision makers to say you know you need to listen and actually give us some respect here and, mm. and give us you know, a, a, a chance to, to tell you what we want. That's really important, I think, if people can get that from the film. Yes, I found that very important, and I think he did a very good job at listening to us and um, directing it in, in that way. Thank oh, you, yeah. Amina. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But, yeah. Well, I think it came across as we wanted it to, as it just 
it shows that this how much the small things do matter to people. Mm. I mean, we highlighted the fact of not being able to have in a shower, but what if you have a shower and you've got no deodorant that we take for granted? And being able to have so many cups of coffee or tea a day that we take for granted and other people can't do it. You know, so I think if everybody looks at it that way and as Sally said, the decision makers, bring us in on the decisions. If you have the people that really have been through these things in their life, bring them on the, in on the decisions and let them show you an easier way that maintains people's dignity rather than one rule for all. We're not all the same. It would it'd be a strange world if we were all the same. So can we be treated as individuals? For me, I would like this film, I would like it to touch people. I would like it to touch people like the government, people who need to listen, like the decision makers that decide, de decide about us when they haven't got a clue about us. I'd like them to make us the same as everybody else, give us the same chances as everybody else. So yeah, I want them to see this film and see the difficulties that some people are going through, unnecessary difficulties, because no one should have problems burying people, mm. no one should have problems eating the house, and no one should have problems feeding themselves or feeding their children, which this, you know, the, the country now, the majority of people, in the, that's who it affects, the majority of people in this country cannot afford one way or the, one way or the other to look after themselves properly. And that's what it boils down to, to thought for me, getting this message out and hopefully it's clear enough that, you know, people are going to go, yeah, we need, we need to change, we, meet, we need to make changes, big changes. Amina? Well, for me, I have two reasons, well, two things I want people to take away. One is I want people in similar situations to know that they're not alone and there's people there willing to listen and there's facilities able to help and they are hard to find sometimes and hard to access but you will be able to get help if you are persistent and find someone in your community and also I want people to know that it's not people's fault that they are in poverty and it can happen to literally anybody and to just have more heart towards people living in these situations because when you get stuck sometimes it's very hard to come out and if you stigmatise people and stereotype people for being in these situations, it's going to be a lot harder for you if you do fall into it one day because you might get turned away because of how you've treated people previously. So thanks everyone for all this insightful discussion and for sharing your stories and experiences with us today. Fighting Shame is now available to watch on Guardian Documentaries. Check it out, share your thoughts on the film and this podcast using the hashtag Fighting Shame. Thanks for listening everyone.